0: Today we're going to begin a four-part series uh, looking at the story of David and Goliath. You might know there's a bestseller book out on the list by that, and I read the book, and it really did inspire me some about the series. Uh, over the four weeks, these are the themes, just to kind of give you a breakdown. I'm not going to read the story anytime in its entirety. I invite you to go to the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel and read it for yourself. Uh, today we're going to look at the, uh, what it means to be an underdog and the overwhelming nature of what David faces and the certainty which he does face uh, what's in front of him. Next week we'll talk about fear. And it'll be about David's fear or that of others around him. We'll also talk about facing difficulties and what they do for us and to us. And the last week we'll talk about resolve. Uh, where do we get the character and the ability to live our faith well for a lifetime? Today we're talking about underdogs. And it's quite a story in it of David and Goliath. After all, an underdog, by definition, is someone thought to have little chance of winning a fight or a contest. And by everybody's measure around that story, David did not have a chance. But they forgot to tell David that. Okay? You ever... um, I think about being underdogs. I've been going to the Y a few months, about four months, and uh, some friends talked me into it several months ago. Uh, I've always done cardio exercise but not strength building. Decided I would go and start lifting on weights, and I found out, first of all, I'm punier than I thought. How about that? It's been too long since I've done any of that, and I had a lot of ground to catch up over the past few months. But I did notice there's some people there who are very serious about it. I mean, they are strong people. Tom Miller is a part of our congregation, is one of those, and he does a great job. I, I'm at all. I can't even spot him. I couldn't get it off his chest if he had to what he lifts. But it's, uh, I think about strength and strength building. I know that I'm not one who cares to uh, compete with anyone against that, but it raises the issue at times in our life, how do we face things when our own strength alone is in, inadequate? And what is it they would call an underdog? And how do we measure that? It's kind of easy to see in our story because you have on one side of it, Goliath, who by our measuring, transferring from their uh, measures to ours, is nine foot six inches tall. You ever meet anybody that tall? I mean, the tallest man I've ever remember seeing was our Bishop Looney. He was our bishop about 12 years ago. He was six foot eight and one huge man with a huge heart, too. But that's as big a man as I've ever known. And he is a good three feet taller than him. I'm thinking, oh man. I would be intimidated. Wouldn't you do? I'd come about to his waistline. Now how do you fight somebody like that? And on the other side, of course, is David. Who is a young boy. A shepherd boy on top of that. Goliath is a trained warrior from youth. He's the man who has weapons with him. And knows how to use them. He is the best warrior the other army has he's not just one of them he is the best one they have they're willing to put him out there ahead of them and say you just bring your best man if he can beat our best men, we'll go home that's what they're willing to do but then there's david on the other side david over here his experience looks like this he has tended sheep that's not very impressive i mean over here there's a warrior he has tended sheep. That means that he sat out there boring hours watching these harmless animals who are too dumb to watch out for themselves. He just sits there hours and hours. I imagine in the boredom he thinks about, it, he's got a slingshot with him, he had plenty of time to practice, okay? He's sitting out there, and what he does, uh, his experience is he protects him. Well, occasionally some predator animal might show up. I figure like most of the time he simply scares it away, and he watches out for the sheep nothing impressive about David as a warrior over against Goliath it really is a story about bullying and just use our terms for it it's where someone comes in bigger than others and tries to take over now a few years ago I was visiting through Macon and visiting family and went by a gas station to fill up and I'm pumping gas and somebody just screams my name, Glenn Martin. I recognized that voice, but I hadn't seen this person in a long, long time. When I was 10 years, we had moved and the person who was called my name and now walking toward me, his name was David Goss. I remembered his name. I had not seen him in 30 years because he was the bully who beat me up. He really was, and he was a neighborhood bully who liked to pick on all the shorter people, and I was one of them. I've always been a shorter people. I was really short then, and I was one of those regulars, that he'd take on for one reason or another, and usually it was just wrestling, you know. We didn't really hurt each other, and he'd come to our yard and line us all up and pick me out of the lineup, and I didn't think that was funny, but we did that. When he called my name, there was something I wanted to do like this. I don't know. It just kind of that voice brought it back for a moment. You know, I remember him. He's not that kind of guy anymore, okay? But a bully, you remember that maybe in the past? Oh, you may have been him. I'm not sure, but I wasn't. And what it means is that you're the underdog. Someone else is out there, and they're uh, trying to control. And they're taking advantage of your fears. And you're letting them. That's how bullies exist, is you let them do this. It's a mismatch, just as it was between Goliath and David, But it didn't turn it all out like Goliath imagined, but maybe very much the way David thought it could. You see, what David did is he first revealed Goliath's weaknesses. He said he could find out, first of all, that Goliath was a man who was very prideful. In his claims, bring out your your best man and calling David nothing more than a dog with a stick. He is insulting of this young boy coming out. He does not see David as a threat. Aha! The first mistake he makes. He thought that all you have is this little boy coming. David doesn't have on armor. Doesn't have a sword. Doesn't have a shield, and he comes running at Goliath. What could he do? He thought no more than a dog barking his heels a little. No way that he could hurt him. What Goliath did not know. Although he was facing a young boy, he had no idea that this young boy who was a shepherd had ever practiced using that sling very much. He had killed lions and other things that were predators on his uh, sheep. He did not know, in fact, that he was facing the future king of Israel. Hmm. How do underdogs win? From David we learned this. First of all, it's by refusing to think of yourself as small. David didn't think of himself as one who could only face defeat by going out and meeting Goliath. But he believed that there was yet a victory. He refused to fight the same way that Goliath would fight. He did not carry the armor of Saul which was offered to him and was too cumbersome, something he was not trained to use. It did not fit him. A military analyst looked at the percentage of wars where the underdogs won and found this out. He said one-third of the time the underdog wins. And if that underdog practices fighting unconventionally, that is not the way the other army people expect. Their winning percentage goes from 28% to 63%. Get where I'm headed? Goliath thought David would walk out with the same kind of equipment and skills that he had and he would defeat him. And David came in a different way, with a different idea in mind altogether. One counselor reading this story and being questioned about it said, you know, people like that story so much because it is about a thing that happens so rarely. That is, the underdog winning. I believe he's wrong. I believe we love this story because there are so many Goliaths in the world that we have to face. And therefore we look for a way, a message, on how we're going to make it through that experience and come out victorious. Let's think about Goliaths, not the same person, but that kind of threat in our life, and where they are. I think about the, the Goliaths that Jesus would face in his life. He would face, as were others in his culture, the Goliath of the Roman Empire. That is, the people who came and control of the nation of Israel in that day. And, and they were the political power, uh, they could do what they wanted. They killed many an Israeli during that time of his occupation. And Jesus lived off in a fairly remote area most of his life. Only when he came to, Rome, came to Jerusalem did he find that Romans were more present. And of course, in the end, when he died upon the cross, it was the Romans' hand. But it was only as they were fulfilling what God had designed. Jesus also faced, uh, I think, another Goliath was out of the, the, the uh, religious leadership of his day. They were always trying to control what went on in terms of the temple and religious life. And one like Jesus would come in and they would either bend him to their way or discredit him. And they did not like Jesus. And Jesus had to deal with them. And it's fascinating stories of the many encounters in the gospel between them. The spiritual Goliath that Jesus had to deal with was Satan himself. Remember that story of the temptation in the wilderness. I believe it reminds us Satan knew how powerful Jesus was. He knew his only chance would defeat him was to put him at the very beginning and offer him something he thought would tempt Jesus more than a hard-won victory later. And he was wrong. Because Jesus also faced Goliaths. The church today faces Goliaths. In many countries, it takes the form of real persecution, meaning that Christians are thrown out of their homes, killed, churches are burned. We read about it or hear about it in the news almost every week happening somewhere. There are truly Goliaths out there in the world today, in churches, in difficult places. And yet Christianity survives and often thrives there. Because they'll not let anyone put out something that is so important to them. In our own nation, I believe one of the biggest Goliaths we face collectively as Christians is that uh, misinterpretation of our freedom. We do have the freedom of religion, that is what we state. But some people believe it's a freedom from religion. And they want to say to us in our faith, yes, true, go and believe anything you want, say anything you want, but keep it to yourself. Don't tell me. In other words, what they're saying is sit down and shut up, which is the one thing that we cannot do. If our faith is going to be vital for us and alive in our nation, we cannot sit down and shut up. We're trying to offer our faith. There's a different tactic being one we, for us as Christians in how we face our environment. Instead of being a people who, are, who deal with sin and, and uh, instead of dealing when people hurt us, wanting to hurt them back, we learn to forgive. In a culture where there are people who have very little and some would simply ignore that, we as Christians begin to help. It's a part of built into us that we respond to the needs of people in our community and the nation and around the world. We are a people winning uh, for the needs of others who went through, go through some form of injustices. We learn to share in their burdens and care for them. It's a part of our ministry as a church. If we forget what we are as the church, then we can lose the battle as an underdog we begin to think that we're in a if we're in a church simply trying to survive then we fail to be a church that can thrive as people who follow God we're not in a neutral environment and God can bring a victory if we pay attention if we learn what it's like to be the underdog that he would have us to be in this world how do we win victories over the Goliaths in our own lives for a moment, I want you to think with me. Think to yourself. What Goliath is standing in front of you today? What is there in your own personal life that looks so large, you're wondering, can there possibly be a victory? Maybe something that threatens your way of life, your future, your hopes, your family, or your church family. As a saying, it goes like this, and I want you to finish it for me. Where does a 900-pound gorilla sit? What's the answer? I'm amazed how many people know that one. They really do. Anywhere he wants. I mean, who can manhandle a 900-pound gorilla, right? And we think with that that there are no choices. But instead we find as Christians, we have a new way of looking at the world, even where there are 900-pound gorillas or goliaths of another form. Because you and I, first of all, are a part of a new creation. We are people for whom Christ has died. And we are freed from the power of sin and death. You put those together and we are no longer the underdog because God is with us. Let's name some of the Goliaths that people around us and maybe we experience. For some, the Goliath may be an addiction. We are in a culture that's almost an addictive culture where people get captured into some form and they cannot seem to get away on their own. We want to say to them, of course, look for help. Don't try to do it by yourself. Know that victories are not usually won just in one moment of time. They're won daily. And sometimes you'll lose a day's battle, but you can continue and win the war. Because we must deal with that sometimes as an underdog. Addictions seem too powerful. But we can find help. For some, the Goliath may be their economic uncertainty in life. It right now has a hold on them. There are too many unanswered questions, things they cannot control. And serious choices about lifestyle are being made. And we find that God is one who does care. We learn to adjust our lives, to live within the means that we have. I'm thankful that our church, among many in our community, are looking to start a family promise ministry. That's designed to help families that have become homeless. There's shelters for men, often shelters for women, but very few for families. The idea is that we help people who have, as families, become homeless, and through the process of that new ministry, get them not only back into a home, but on their feet financially and as a part of society, feeling that they can make it. Right now, there's a Goliath so big, they're not certain how. For some, it may be their health, health problems that are so big, we're not sure. We use doctors, we use medicine, we use every avenue we can, and we add to that our fate, but we feel much like the underdog can be things like moving and career change or family change. There are a number of things that may come to mind to any of you. Goliath can make us want to hide or run away. What we learn is that we have victory over them as we understand what David did. David had a strategy about facing things as the underdog. The first thing he did is he accepted the challenge in front of him. Unlike the army of Israel, he stepped forward. They were wondering who would go, and none of them were willing to. And there steps David into the fray. And David uses Goliath's confidence against him. When David comes out of the rank, out of the before Goliath, Goliath is making all those accusations, and David begins immediately to run straight toward Goliath. That seems a little crazy, doesn't it? Everybody thought, I'd be running the other direction if I was David. But David knew that with his sling, it was important he'd be close and that he'd be accurate. He also knew that it might only take a few minutes before Goliath would recognize the threat that was coming to him, and he wanted to catch him off guard. So he ran as quickly as he could, preparing his sling as he ran. And when he got there, he was ready for the battle, and in one blow. It was over. He ran. He took charge. He knew what it was like to be the underdog, but he also knew that he had a response to it. David doesn't hide behind anyone. He didn't hide behind the fact he didn't have all the battle skills other soldiers had around him. He didn't let the army that was with Israel stand between him. He stepped in front of them to enter into the battle with Goliath. He had to battle his own fears. That's next week. David used the skill and experience he had. He learned to battle the predators on the sheep. And that preparation, that many times of practicing with the rocks. And I've been to Israel. I've been to the place where this battle happened. I want you to know there are a lot of rocks. And you know you can use a rock a second time and a third time if you can get to it. They don't ever run out of rock space. There's a lot of rocks you can use but he only needed one. And he dealt with his own fears. He learned to do battle and to make it work. Goliath had drawn a line of the sand and dared anyone to step across it. It was an act of intimidation. An easy victory he could have won unless someone would stand up to him. That's what we learn to do as underdogs. We learn to stand up. Philippians 4.13 gives us courage. It says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Why didn't David feel hopeless when facing a giant? Somebody so much bigger with so much more intimidation. His own people afraid of. It was because David trusted God. He believed that God had more control over that moment than did himself or Goliath. He believed that he was ready for it and he would become the next king. Learning to win a victory as an underdog is one of the lessons we learn. In the scriptures, we're really called to be an under-shepherd. That is, Jesus is the great shepherd and our ministry is to a world so much in need Caring for others who also feel overwhelmed. In a moment, I'm going to to sing our closing hymn. We'll have the altar open. And maybe you have a Goliath in life right now that is bigger than life. And you want to come and pray. And you certainly can. Maybe someone you know. Often I think that's the case. Someone you know is facing a Goliath. And it seems that Goliath has all the victories. And you want to pray for a victory in that loved one's life. Feel free to do that. You may do that praying right where you stand as we sing. Now, our, our hymn is number 526.